Welcome to Dayspring Church Online, where we share the message of hope all over the world. Our prayer is that this podcast will help you live a more fulfilling life with God at the center. For more information on how you can take part, visit us at dayspringpc.org. End up. You know, the Bible says that we don't have because we don't ask. And often we don't know how to ask. So the purpose of this series, the desire of this series, has been that we would erase all those stigmas, that we would erase all those misunderstandings about prayer, and that prayer would become something that we enjoy, something that we delight in. You know, um, today somebody came to church. um, Jesus said that if you ask, you would receive, that if you knock, it would be open, right? And... um, Uh, I think it was during Christmas service, I share with you guys that, um, I share with you guys that uh, there was a gift when I was a uh, tween that I really wanted that my dad, because of our uh, uh, economical condition at that time, um, was not able to get me. And today somebody walked into church and they say, hey, we got a gift for you. And look at what they got me. I can't wait to go home and play. I can't. If I had batteries when they gave it to me, I would have turned it on and started playing. But, you know, I share this with you, not to show off, although it does make me feel special, but I, I share this with you because if you don't ask, if you don't talk to God, you won't receive. God knows what we need, but He wants us to ask. So today, we're going to end our series on prayer, and we're going to talk about praying in five dimensions. So before we do that, I want to ask you, if you're in an aisle, if you could scoot over to the edges, um, there's still going to be people coming in. In a couple of minutes, we're going to bring our kids and our teachers in here, and we're going to end the service together. So if you're just, uh, if there's room, just kind of scoot to the end, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your wonderful love. We thank you because you are good, Lord, and this is so exciting, Father. Lord, um, We're not saying goodbye to the church. We're just saying goodbye to this building. Because this building is not the church. This is just where the church meets. The church is our relationships, is our connection, our community, Lord. So today, as we um, are going through our last service together, I pray that it may be special. And what makes us special is the fact that we have relationship with you and we have relationship with one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Have you ever felt like you're being pulled from many different directions? You're being pulled emotionally, spiritually, academically, relationally, financially, physically. Maybe things in your past are pulling you. Maybe things in the present are pulling you. Maybe the future is is scary for you. I think that happens to all of us where we feel at times in our life where we are being pulled from many different directions. Well, if you ever feel that way, if you ever feel like you're being pulled from many directions, then what we need is a multidimensional way to pray. We can't pray just in one direction if we are being pulled in many directions. So that's what I want to talk to you about briefly. Praying about five dimensions, five dimensions in your life you can pray about. But before I do that, 
I want to tell you two big truths. And, and, and for some of you, it's new. Uh, for some of you, it's just a reminder. But there are two very important truths that are fundamental to prayer. That when we um, um, think about prayer, these are things that we need to remember, especially today as we talk about praying in five multi-dimensions, in five dimensions. Number one, and you can fill this out in your outline, here's the first truth. The first truth is that God is a multi-dimensional God. God is a multi-dimensional God. God is not a one-dimensional. He's not a two-dimensional. He's not a three-dimensional God. No, no, no. God is so awesome, so powerful, that He is a multi-dimensional God. And listen, if there's something that I would love for you to take away from this series on prayer is the following, is that the most important thing about prayer is how much you know and what you know not about prayer, but about God. The most important thing you can do for your prayer life is not to learn all you can about prayer. You should. But the most important thing you can do is to learn and know all you can about God. The more you know about God, the better your prayers will be. And the Bible tells us that God is multidimensional. And we see this in different ways. Let me just show you three of them, and you can fill them in in your outline. The first way that we see God's multidimensional is that we see it in God's creation. We see it in God's creation. And we, we can learn so much about God by looking at nature. You don't have to be a poet. You don't have to be emotional. You just got to be um, alert and, and look at nature, and there's so much that we can learn from God. What do we learn from God by looking at nature? Well, let me tell you a few things. We learn that God likes variety. I heard the other day that there's over 30-something species of, beetle, of beetles. Why so many beetles? One species would have been enough, don't you think? But God likes variety. We also know that God is organized. I mean, just look at our human body, all the systems and how organized they are and how they work. We also know that God is creative by looking at nature. The beauty, the splendor. You know, when, when we went to Puerto Rico, we loved the beaches. Great, clear beaches. And then when we got to go to Hawaii, I love that, that, that it was similar to Puerto Rico, but at the same time different. Because in Puerto Rico, you don't have big, beautiful green mountains next to the beach. And in Hawaii, you have that. And that's just how creative God is. In fact, the Bible tells us that we can learn so much about God from nature that we really have no excuse to say we don't know God. Look, look at what Romans 1.20 says. It says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen in what has been made so that men are what? Without excuse. You know, I like to be very respectful, but I also like to uh, approach the truth. And um, I don't have enough faith not to believe in God. I think it takes more faith to say there is no God than to say there is a God. 
Because if you're going down the street or say you're in the desert or the mountains or you're going down the street, down, down the hill or the mountain, whatever, and suddenly you come across a beautiful, expensive, luxurious car, you are not going to think that that car just came together. Because creation means that there has to be a what? A creator. Because in millions and billions and trillions of years, a car is not going to put itself together. And creation, what we see, what, what we live, it's just one way we can know that God is real and that God exists because God created, I mean, creation ourselves and everything in it um, just points to a fact that there is a creator. There's, it, it, and, and some people say, well, there was a creation. It was the Big Bang. Well, uh, I'm okay if you believe in the Big Bang as long as you believe that there was a Big Banger. <laughs> that there was somebody that caused the bang. So the first way we see God, that God is multidimensional God, is that we see it in creation. The second way we see it, and you can fill this out in your outlines, is that we see it in Jesus' incarnation. An incarnation means that God became flesh. That God, who is spirit, became flesh. That God, who is God, that Jesus, who is God, became like one of us. Look at what John Verse chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word, and that's another title for Jesus, became a human being and lived among us. We saw His glory, and He was full of what? Grace and truth. The fact that God can, can be God and come and be like one of us means that God is multidimensional. See, you need to understand something. When Jesus took human form, he did not stop being God. He was always divine, but he was always human. And listen, if God wanted to communicate to insects, he would have became an insect. If God wanted to communicate to, to birds, he would have became a bird. And God became a human because he wanted to bring us back into him. The Son of God became human so that the sons of men could become sons of God. And we see God's multidimensional, God's multidimension in that. And the third way we see that God is a multidimensional God is that we see it in how the Holy Spirit moves. We see it in how the Holy Spirit moves. John 3.8 in your outline says this, the wind blows wherever it pleases, right? Especially here in California, we know the truth, the Santa Ana winds, Right? With fires, I mean, the firefighters can fight the fire, but they can't fight the wind, right? He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you don't know where the wind comes from or where it's going. That's the way it is with everyone born of the Holy Spirit. You can't put the Holy Spirit in a box. You can't control him because he is like the wind. And the Holy Spirit moves in dimensions that are new to us, that sometimes we are not even alert of because the Holy Spirit is multidimensional. So the first truth is that God is a multidimensional God. The second fundamental truth about prayer is that because God is multidimensional, and please fill this out in your outlines, I am never alone. Because God is multidimensional, you are never alone. 
You are never, ever, ever alone because God is in every dimension because he is a multidimensional God. He is in your past, he is in your present, and he is in your future. He is in you, he is above you, and he is around you because he is a multidimensional God. And see, that is fundamental to our prayer life. And it's not a bunch of gods. No, no, no. It's one God who is multidimensional. Look at what David said in regards to God being everywhere. Look at what it says in Psalms 119, 7 through 12. It says, and this is David speaking. He says, where could I go to escape from you? Some of you, you're trying to run from God. I got bad news for you. I'm sorry. Where could I go to escape from God? Where could, I ever, where could I ever get away from your presence? And these are rhetorical questions, right? If I went up to heaven, you'd be there. If I laid down in the world of the dead, you'd be there. If I, if, I, if I flew away beyond the east or lived in the farthest place in the west, you'd be there to lead me. You'd be there to help me. I could ask the darkness to hide me, but even darkness is not dark for you. And the night is as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Let me give you a tip. Never try to hide from God. Because he's everywhere. He's everywhere. And that shouldn't scare you. That should encourage you. Because you know what that means? That means there's no stage or dimension in your life that you can go to that God won't be there to help you. God is a multidimensional God, and because he is, we are never alone. Now, what, what, what do these two truths have to do with prayer? Everything. They have everything to do with prayer because since God is everywhere and in every, direction, in every dimension, you can talk to God about every dimension in your life, about every area, about every stage of your life. So let's get practical. Let's look at the five dimensions, okay? Number one, when I pray, here's the first dimension. When I pray, first, I look back to the cross. That's the first dimension, to look back to the cross. When you pray, here's why prayer is boring for many of us. Because when we pray, and the only time we pray, is when we have problems or fears. Don't start your prayers with your problems or your fears. Start with gratitude. And you know what's the one thing that, will, that would illuminate, that will birth the greatest gratitude in you? The cross. Why the cross? Well, you might want to write this down. I didn't make space, but you might want to write this down. The cross reminds us of three things. Number one, the cross reminds us of how deeply God loves us. The cross is a love letter with your name on it. The cross is a love letter with my name on it. Second, the cross reminds me how costly sin is. The reason Jesus died on the cross was not because he was guilty, but because you and I were guilty. And the sin has, has and had such a high price that it took the life of the Son of God to, to die so that we could be forgiven. Which is the third thing the cross reminds us of. The cross reminds me how completely I am forgiven. Have you ever 
feel that God hasn't forgiven you, all you got to do is look at the cross. And at the cross, Jesus said, it is done. It is finished. I've forgiven you. So when you pray, the first dimension is to look back at the cross so that you can be filled with gratitude. Look at what 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 say. God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. That's kind of what I was talking about earlier um, when I came to do the encouragement, right? God has saved us from an empty life. Like Some of us need to reflect like where we would be if it weren't for the cross and Jesus. He says, God has paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. You want to know how much something is worth? You want to know how much something is worth? You can know how much something is worth by how much anybody's willing to pay for it. If you have an object and you say, this object um, is worth $1,000. I may think it's worth $1,000, but if nobody's willing to pay $1,000 for this object, guess what? It's not worth $1,000. What determines the value is what anybody's willing to pay. You know how, how valuable you are? You're so valuable that God gave his son, his one and only son. It's not like he had a bunch of them. His one and only son for you. That's how valuable you are. That is the highest price. That is the highest worth that could be attributed to any of us. That's why the cross fills us with gratitude. One thing that helps me, and perhaps I believe will help you in this point, it's not just to have a prayer list but to also have a playlist. There's a lot of wonderful songs that if you start by worshiping, they will remind you of how precious the cross is, how precious the sacrifice of God is. So that is the first dimension. Let's look at the second one. So first, I look back to the cross. The second dimension is that I look upward to my Father's loving face. I look upward to my Father's loving face. So I look back. But then I look up, and when I look up, what we see is the face of a loving father. God wants you to see him as a loving father. Some of you guys see God as a dictator, as a boss, as a joy kill, as a supervisor, as a coach. No, 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 no. Listen, when Jesus came and, he, and, and they asked him, teach us to pray, the first thing he said, our Father in heaven. That is huge. That is enormous. You want to know why? Because before Jesus, they did not refer to God as Father. They referred to him as majesty. They referred to him as Lord. They referred to him as creator. But Jesus came to reveal to us how the Father was, how God was. And he is our Father. Listen, the way you see God controls everything in your life. So it's, and, and by the way, you, you want to know how you can tell the way people think about God? Look at the way they pray. Look at the way they pray. My daughter talks to me in ways that some of you don't talk to me. Why? Because of the relationship we have. In fact, this whole week, I don't know where she got it. I don't know who she's been hanging around with. She's forgotten to say, please. Dad, bring me milk. I'm like, what, what? Wait a minute, what do you mean bring me milk? Can you please bring me milk? 
And let me tell you, I, I want to give you some homework. I want to ask you to make a change in your prayer life that will change your prayer life. Refer to God as your father. Is this your father? There's a pastor at La Iglesia del Camino, and I love how he prays. He says, Dios Padre. God our Father. Listen, if you do that, it'll change your life. Now, some of you guys are thinking, I just don't feel comfortable calling them that. Well, that's your problem, and that's probably why you suck at praying. <laughs> that is your problem. Because Jesus said, pray our Father in heaven. See, some of us pray, some of us pray like you're talking to a loan officer that you got to convince and somehow trick into giving you what you need. You are not talking to a loan officer. You are talking to your daddy. You're talking to your father. To a father who maybe, unlike your earthly father, is not going to walk away from you, loves you and cares for you. Look at what Romans 8, 15 through 17 says. You should not act like cowarding, fearful what? Slaves. We're no longer slaves. Since God's spirit has what? Adopted us as children into God's what? Family. So we don't act cowardly. We don't act fearfully. Instead, look at what he says. By his spirit, we simply cry out what? Abba, Father. You know what Abba is? Daddy. We don't say, hey, Mr. Loan Officer up there in the highs. No, we say, Daddy. That is my favorite title as a human being, to be called daddy. Because only a certain amount of people can call me daddy. And it's a term of endearment. It's a term of love. And God wants you to come to him, to come and say, daddy, I need you. I got into a mess. Daddy, here's what's going on. Daddy, you're so awesome. Let's continue reading. And God's spirit affirms that we are really his children, and since we are now God's children, we are also heirs with Christ and will, and will share in both his suffering and what? Glory. Hey, did you know that when you pray, this is so awesome. Did you know, this is how loving God is. Did you know that when you pray, the Holy Spirit prays for you as well? This verse is not in your outline, but it's going to be up here in the screen. Romans 8.26, look at what it says. It says, the Spirit himself speaks to God for us, even begs God on our behalf. When you talk to God, you say, Dad, the Holy Spirit joins in with you. And you're probably thinking, that's weird. How can God talk to himself about me? That is not weird. You do that too. Do you ever have a conversation with yourself? Right? Like you're talking with somebody. This especially happens when, as a couple, you're talking about problems that you have, right? You just that way you got to be more romantic. You got to be more affectionate. And inside, you're talking to yourself about, am I really that dry? Am I really that, um, you know, not nice? You talk to yourself about yourself. So it is not weird because you do that all the time. And when you pray, the Holy Spirit talks to God for you because there's times that we don't know what to ask God for. 
But God knows us. And when we come to him, the Holy Spirit intercedes in our behalf. Let me give you a little secret. When you're talking to somebody and somebody's telling you their problems, as they're telling you their problems, pray for them. Say, God bless them. Say, God help them. So we look up to the face of a loving father. We look back to the cross, up to the face of a loving father. And the third dimension is that I look inward to see Jesus living in me. I look inward to Jesus living in me. Did you know that Jesus is not just in heaven, but that he's in you? If you've accepted him, if you've invited him into your life, he lives in you. Jesus lives in us. But, but, but here's another truth. Jesus is not the only thing that also lives inside of us. There's bad attitudes that live inside of us. Anybody say amen? amen. There's secret sin that lives inside of us. There's fear. There's hurts. There's resentment. There's greed. There's negative things that live inside of us. So that's why the third dimension of prayer is to look within. Because listen, since a loving father accepts you and loves you, we have the confidence to be honest about the truth about ourselves. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13.5. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is real and growing. Test yourself. Remember that Jesus is what? Living in you unless you failed your test. See, I hate to say this, but some of you, you've kicked Jesus out of your life. But you're not aware because you haven't examined yourself and say, is Jesus really living inside of me? By the way, pastor, how can I know if Jesus is living inside of me? The fruit of the Spirit is being developed in your life. You're becoming more loving, not more bitter. You're becoming more self-controlled, not more sinful. You're becoming more patient, not more impatient. That's the way. So, so we got to look in. You, let me ask you a question, and it's a rhetorical question. Would you like to be a better person? Would you like to be the best you can be? Of course, right? Of course, we, we all should. I mean, let me tell you something. It's not easy living with you. I know this because I know this is true about myself. It's, I think Lorena has won the lottery with me, but the truth is that she hasn't. Really. I, I confessed this to you guys a while back. There was a time where I thought, man, this woman has no idea what kind of man she got. I wash, I clean, I cook, I change the girls, I shower. And I don't want to make it sound like she doesn't do anything, but it's stuff that I do. I, I'm faithful, I'm a pastor, I pray, I'm wise, I do all this stuff. She should be jumping out of joy that she has a man like me. Till one day God said to me, so you mean to say you're her savior? I said, no, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm not. And yes, there's good qualities to me, but she'll also tell you that there's bad qualities to me. And what is true of me is also true of you. So we got to become a better person. Now, here, here, here's the secret. Here's why we don't become better. Because we don't deal with the bad or the bitter inside of us. You won't get better until you face what needs to change about you. You want to get better still doing all the bad stuff. You want to get financially um, secure, but still go to the mall and max out your credit cards. doesn't work that way. The truth 
The truth that we like the least is what truth? The truth about? That's the truth that we like the least. And listen, we won't change, we won't improve until we get honest about ourselves. I'm going to tell you a big secret that should really change us. God already knows what needs to change about us. It's not like you're keeping it a secret. He just wants you to confess it and be honest so that he can help you change about it. Some of you act like God doesn't know. Oh, you know, if I admit that I'm greedy, then God already knows that you're tight. He knows. He knows. You know, I don't know why I'm saying that. Maybe it's for somebody, you know. But he knows. He knows. He already knows what needs to change about you. If you you are honest, listen, if you are honest with God, and if you're honest with yourself, it's going to take you to a new level of intimacy. By the way, intimacy is not the joining of two bodies in sex. Sex is the mingling of two bodies. Intimacy is the mingling of two souls. And when we are honest to God and when we're honest to ourselves, we are going to go to a new level of intimacy with God. And here's what I know. Everybody that's in a relationship wants to have intimacy. But you can't have intimacy without honesty. And we got to be honest about what's not working in our lives, what's not working in our character, what's not working in our behavior. And we can't get better till we deal with the bitter and the bad. So that is the third dimension, the fourth dimension. i got to hurry up. I look around and I ask the Holy Spirit to use me. So I look back, I look up, I look within, and I look around. What do I look around for? For God to use me. Can I tell you the most dangerous prayer you can make? But at the same time, the most satisfying one? Use me. God, use me. Being used by God is better than sex, is better than food, and it's better than money. Nothing compares to God using you. Last week um, that I was in here, by the way, when I'm not, I, I only missed two Sundays for vacation. If I'm not here on a Sunday, you need to know I'm working somewhere else. I'm not in my house watching the Super Bowl, okay? Last week, I was at La Iglesia, and in one of the services, God put a word, for, put a, put a word in, my house, in my heart to share with the church and in one of the services, there was about five people that from the very beginning, as I set the title of what I wanted to share, they started pouring out in tears. And throughout the whole service, I'm not kidding you, it was so noticeable. They were just pouring out in tears because God was speaking to them. That is the most satisfying thing you can experience to say, God is using me to bless other people. And that is the fourth dimension that we pray. We said, God, use me. Listen, instead of criticizing, instead of complaining, instead of judging, instead of whining, and instead of blogging, ask God to help you and use you. God, use me. Look at what Romans 6.13 says. Give yourselves what? Completely to God. Use every part of you since you've been giving new life and you want to be used as a tool in the hands of God. Use for his good purposes. I want to tell you guys something. Every single one of you, and I really, really believe this as much as I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and for you. The world is waiting 
for our contribution. God is looking for people to use to make a difference in the world. I am making mine. Are you going to make yours? Somebody said that the richest um, part in the world is not the mines with diamonds. It's not even in the New York Stock Exchange, but it is in the graves where people have died without ever accomplishing all that they could have accomplished and made the changes that they could have made. So don't chew, go dying without making your contribution first. And you pray, you say, God, use me. God, use me. I know that. And listen, don't be afraid. Not everybody's a preacher. Not everybody's a worship leader. We need all kinds of people. In this new season that we're going into, I need you guys. I need, I want, I, I want to tell you those two things. Number one, I want every single one of you. I've been praying that nobody would stay behind, that nobody would use this as an excuse to say, I'm just not going to go to church anymore because it's a little bit further. No, no, no. As your pastor, I want you. I hope to keep seeing you. And second, and I'm not ashamed to say this, I need you. I believe that if God brought you to this place, I believe that if you are here today, you are to be part of what God wants to do in this church and through this church. So pray, God, use me. God, use me. So we look back to the cross. We look up to the Father's face. We look inward to see Jesus in us. And we look around to ask the Holy Spirit to use us. And the fifth dimension is that I look forward to my future in faith. I look forward to my future in faith. When you think about your future, what kind of emotions come to mind? Do you want to be a more confident person and be more confident about your future? Because see, most of us, when we think about our future, worry, stress, or depression come to mind. Or fear. Fear is another one. You want to be a more confident person, not just about your future, but just be a more confident person overall? Talk to God about your future. The more you do, the more confident you're going to be. You want to know why? Because when you understand that there's a father that loves you, and when you talk to him about your future, there's a peace that comes upon you, and there's an assurance that comes upon you. My, if you talk to my daughter, which, by the way, I don't know where she got this. i got to start watching her from you guys. I'm just <laughs> she already knows what she wants for her birthday. She memorized all the family birthdays that come before her because she's so anticipating her birthday. And she already told me what she wants. You know what she wants? She, what is it that she wants? <laughs> she wants handcuffs, walkie-talkies, and better binoculars. I don't know if she wants to be a cop or what. <laughs> and if you talk to her, if you talk to her, she's so looking forward to her birthday because she knows she's going to get those things. You know why? Because she already told her daddy. And she's got a good daddy. And when you talk to your daddy in heaven, you'll feel confident about your future because you know you got a good daddy who already knows. <laughs> Philippians 1.6 says this. Philippians 1.6, and the kids and the teachers are going to start walking in. Try not to get distracted. We're going to have to make room for them. Okay, we're coming to an end. But look at what Philippians 1, 6 says. Don't, don't, don't get disconnected. They're your kids. They're still beautiful. Look at me. I'm, I'm beautiful too. Okay. Look at what Philippians 1, 6 says. 
I am confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of who? Christ 